The Bible says that the day is coming, and I believe now is, then when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But then the Hebrew writer goes on to say, but we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, the kingdom of God. Now, part of God's kingdom that cannot be shaken is his infallible, inerrant, living word of God. And this word is filled with the promises of God for God's people. That's why Jesus said, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you don't know God's promises and believe God's promises, when things are shaken, you will be shaken. Thank God that he's given us his word. Promises from God for every area and circumstance in our life. I love that promise in Hebrews. The word of God is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing asunder joints and marrow, soul and spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So we're looking at the promises of God. That great passage, for years I had missed it. But in in 2 Corinthians, you don't need to turn in your Bible yet. But in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Listen, it says the promises of God in Jesus to us are yes and amen. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians 1.19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in Jesus Christ it was yes. And here it is. For the promises of God in him, Jesus Christ, are yes and amen to the glory and praise of God. You see, the promises of God come to pass in our life through the awesome and powerful work of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the promises of God are in Christ, and he has made them a reality by the victory that he won on the cross. Today, we're going to look at the promises of God in trouble and affliction. So now open your Bibles with me this morning to Psalm chapter uh, 30, 34, and we're going to look at one of the great promises of God in trouble and afflictions. It is Psalm 34, verse 17. Now listen to this promise. I mean, it just talks about trouble and affliction and how God is involved in our lives. In Psalm 34, verse 17, the righteous cry out. And I hope you're crying out to God in your trouble and affliction. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. He delivers them. What a promise. The righteous cry out, and he hears, and he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. That talks about trouble and affliction and how God is our deliverer. Now turn over a few more pages to Psalm 91. And I want you to find uh, verse verse 14. The promises of God for you and me when we go through trouble and affliction. 
Psalm 91, verse 14. Talking about his children, the promises of God for those who know and love and follow Jesus Christ and seek to obey him. Notice what he says in Psalm 91, 14. Because he has set his love upon me. He said, because I know you love me. You've set your love upon me. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in the, I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Just two passages overflowing with the promises of God for us in times of trial and affliction. Now, there are three things I want us to look at this morning when it comes to trouble and affliction. I want us to look at the reality, how that trouble and affliction is a reality in every one of our lives. But then the second thing I want us to notice is how we respond, or the reason, rather, the reason Why do we have trouble? And why do we have affliction? Not only the reality of it, but the reason for it. And then the last thing I want us to notice is the reward that comes from God when we believe his promises. How that that we are to respond to trouble and to affliction. Now let's talk about the reality of it. You know, they're, they're, they're really... Just three verses I want to look at as as far as the reality of it. Because I don't have to tell you that you have trouble in your life. I don't have to tell you that you go through affliction. All of us know. We all know. We have one thing in common for sure. And that is the reality that our life at times is just filled with trouble and affliction. Job knew it better than anyone else. Listen to what he said in Job 5, 7. Yet man is born to trouble. He said, you're born to it. He says, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. He said, just like sparks go up. He said, I'm telling you, trouble is a part of man's life. It's the reality of it. Then Job said it again in chapter 14 in verse 1. Man, it's just such, so, such truth in such a little verse. He said, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He is like a shadow and does not continue. You say, well, Brother Fred, I know Job knew about it, but what did Jesus have to say about it? Listen to what Jesus said in John 16, 33, about the reality of trouble and affliction. Jesus said in John 16, 3, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, I've spoken these things, so, and he spoke many things to his disciples, so that in me you might have peace. He noticed he didn't say in the world and in your circumstances. He said that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Then I got to think, well, what's the purpose of it? I mean, what's the reason? I mean, uh, what's the reason for trouble? I mean, why is it such a reality? Trouble and affliction. I don't know what yours is today, 
But I guarantee you, it, there's almost as many different difficulties and afflictions and troubles as there are people in this room. You know, let me tell you one reason that lives, our lives, daily and often confront affliction, trouble and affliction. You know why? We live in a fallen world. You and I are living in a sin-cursed world. God created Adam and Eve in his own image, put them in a perfect garden. They had no sin. They were absolutely in perfect fellowship with God. But Adam and Eve sinned, and sin has passed down from the bloodstream of Adam into every person that has ever been born except Jesus Christ. Listen, we are living in a fallen world. I mean, the world, the world system, wicked as it is, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. The, the, our own flesh that we got from Adam, that the flesh fights against the spirit, and the spirit fights against the flesh. And then the demons of hell that do everything they can to cause trouble and affliction. Please understand, you know it, but we're not in heaven yet. And until we get to heaven, there's going to be trouble and there's going to be affliction. Because we're living in a fallen and a sin-cursed world. Here's the second reason there's trouble and affliction. We have mortal bodies. Did you know that before Adam sinned, he had an immortal body? He would have never been sick, and he would have never died. But when Adam sinned, he went from an immortal body to a mortal body. Guess what? This mortal body that you have, it is subject to pain, it is subject to disease, and it is subject to death. Oh, now, if we had a mortal, immortal body... There'd be a lot of trouble and affliction and anguish we would be spared. But we don't. And you can be righteous and right with God and have sickness in your mortal body. I'm just saying to you, you've got to understand, we're living in a fallen world. And we're living with mortal bodies. And we will not get that immortal body until we go to be with Jesus. Uh, but you know, let me just say one thing for the reason for trouble and affliction. Living in a fallen world, we got a mortal body. But you know this well, don't you? Sometimes we create our own trouble and our affliction. We say, well, now, I wonder where this came from. And God says, why don't you look in the mirror <laughs> and you'll see why you're going through this trouble and you're going through this affliction. Sometimes we create our own trouble and affliction. Now, there is a principle. It is always work. It cannot be violated. And I'm telling you, it is true in the physical realm, and it is true in the spiritual realm. And it goes like this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, they will reap. Now, he that sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to his spirit shall reap eternal life. Now, listen, the truth is you reap what you sow. All right. Sometimes we sow to the flesh and we do that and it creates all kind of trouble. Now, I'm going to tell you about Jonah. Jonah never had to go through the trouble he went through. All he had to do was what God told him to do. God says, Jonah, 
Go to Nineveh. Declare to them that unless they repent, I'm going to bring judgment on them. All Jonah had to do was say, yes, God, I'll obey you. I'll follow your spirit. But he didn't. He's decided instead of doing what God said to go to Joppa, hey, he never had to go through the storm. (laughs) He never had to be swallowed by the fish. He didn't. But he made a choice. And you know what Jonah did? He reaped what he sowed. You say, but now, Pastor, I believe in forgiveness. I do too. Thank God. And God not only forgives your sins through the precious blood of Jesus, God forgets about them. But also, they're the consequences of forgiven sin. You sow to the flesh, you sin, you repent, God forgives. But you know the crop's still going to come up, and you've got to pull that crop up. People say, well, Brother Fred, I, I realize it was sin. I asked God to forgive me, and I know he did, but yet I'm still going through all. I said, man, listen, it's not a matter of forgiveness. You are reaping what you sowed. It is the consequences of forgiven sin. Thank God you can get the crop up and not plant another one. But I'm just telling you, sometimes the trouble and affliction that we go through is of our own creation. You know why there's trouble and affliction in this world and in your life? We live in a fallen world, a sinful world. We have mortal bodies. All of us at one time or another get our eyes off the Lord and do not listen to the voice of God. And and instead of obeying God, we disobey God. And and instead of sowing to spiritual things, we sow to the flesh. Man, and we reap what we sow. And that's the source of our trouble and affliction. But there, there are two other tremendous, a couple of other tremendous things. And I don't want you to miss this. Because not all your trials and all your troubles and afflictions are because of sin or because of you sowing to the flesh. Well, listen, now I'm going to tell you something that's very, very important. One of the major purposes of why God allows us to go through trouble and affliction is this, to show to you whether your faith, whether or not your faith is genuine or your faith is false. It is possible to have a false faith. It is possible to have a faith that does not stand the test. Did you know that the Word of God says that sometimes God allows us to go through things, trouble and affliction, and basically it is the hand of God revealing to us whether our faith is real and genuine and personal in Jesus Christ or whether our faith is false and phony and it's called a fair weather faith you say man where's that in the bible i tell you exactly where it is first peter chapter one verses six through nine man he talks to us about the fact that uh hey our faith's gonna be tested and just to show us whether or not it's really real or genuine or it's just a mountaintop faith or a fair weather faith i'm reading in in first uh peter chapter one verse five verse six Now, let me tell you what he says in verse 3, 4, and 5. He says, look, he talks about our blessed hope we have in Jesus. He says, we've got a living hope. Now, this is what he's talking about in verses 3 and 4, 1 Peter 1. We've got a living hope because Jesus is raised from the dead. He said, man, as Christians, we've got an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled. It doesn't fade away. Man, it's reserved in heaven for us, and God keeps us by his power. But then he says, because you have that assurance 
of your reality in heaven, this he says this. For in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you are grieved by various trials. He said, I know you're rejoicing in the hope you have in Jesus, even though right now you're going through serious trouble. You are in great affliction. You're rejoicing in your hope in Jesus. But man, right now, you're grieved through trouble and affliction. And this is what he said. You have been grieved by various trials. Now, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith. He said, you know, this trial you're going through, it's going to show you not whether your faith is genuine, whether it's real, whether it's in your circumstances or in the living Christ. He said that the genuineness being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire. He said, your faith is being tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. And even though you do not see him, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He said, you know, I know you've got your hopes in Christ and in heaven. He said, but right now you're going through some trouble and affliction. But let me tell you why God's allowing that. Let me tell you why you're going through it. God wants to prove. He wants to test your faith by fire. He wants to see if your faith is genuine. He wants you to see if your faith is genuine. And he said your faith's going to be tested just like by fire and it's going to come out and it's going to be strong and it's going to be pure and he said it's going to give glory and honor and praise to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Sometimes the entire purpose of that tribal and affliction is for you to find out in your heart, am I a fair-weather Christian? Do I just love and follow Jesus when all is well and I'm on the mountain? Or does my faith, is it the same in the storms? Is it same in the trouble? Is it genuine faith that trusts God regardless of where I am? I'll tell you one thing. I've seen it happen. People would seem to be, you know, Christians. They would be religious. They were, would be in church. And then, man, that big storm that big trouble and that big affliction would come. While most of the people I've known have weathered the storm and their faith was genuine and real, I've seen others absolutely get bitter, absolutely blame God, absolutely turn away from God because if God loved me, he would never let that happen in my life. And instead of coming to him, they let this circumstance cause them and they become, I've seen people that have actually become bitter toward God because of the trouble and storm that they went through. Now, Peter says, this trial you're going, to go, you're going through is going to show you whether your faith is genuine. It's going to be tested by fire. But he said, I'm hoping you, it'll come out to the praise and glory and honor of Jesus uh, that he'll be glorified in the way you responded. All right, now there's a, another reason. I've talked about the reason for trials is we live in a fallen world. We have a mortal body. Sometimes by our sowing, we create our own trouble and affliction. But one of the reasons is God says, I want you to know if your faith is real and if it's strong. But there's another reason for trouble and affliction, and that is this. It strengthens our faith. Did you know when a child of God goes through trouble 
and affliction and they trust Jesus and they stand on the promises of God, they come out stronger. God, it's just like this. If you do not use your arm, if it just is in a sling, eventually your muscles will atrophy and you just won't, it just won't have any strength. It's the same thing. When we go through trials, I mean troubles and afflictions, it's so oftentimes as we look to God and trust God and believe God and stand on the promises of God, when we come through that trouble and affliction, we are stronger. You know why I know that? Boy, two great passages that tell us that not only do troubles and trials test the genuineness of our faith, but man, it strengthens our faith. One of the great passages on this is Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Now just listen to this. The reason for that trouble or friction is to strengthen your faith, for it to get stronger and for you to become more Christ-like. Listen to what it says. It says, and not only that, talking about the fact we've been justified by faith through peace with God and that we, you know, we're saved. He says, and not only that, now get this, we glory in tribulation. He said, not only do we grow in the fact that we're justified by faith and have peace with God and we stand in his righteousness, but I'm going to tell you something. We are actually glorying in our trouble and affliction. Well, why? He says, and not only that, but we glory in trouble and in tribulations, knowing tribulation produces perseverance, steadfastness, forbearance, man, when you go through tribulation, it produces a forbearance and a steadfastness in your faith, man. It makes it strong. It says tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. You come out of that trouble and trial, and your character, your Christ-likeness is stronger as a result of that trouble and trial you went through. Knowing this, that tribulation produces per- perseverance and Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. When you get through that trouble and affliction, you are stronger. And the next time you go through trouble and affliction, you've got a greater hope than you did when you went in it. And then he goes on and says that one of the reasons is here that the love of God is poured out in our hearts. You know what? You experience God's love. It's not any greater, but you experience God's love more when you're in trouble and affliction than probably any other time. He said, we glory in tribulation. It produces perseverance. It produces character, and it gives us hope. And he says, on top of that, it's like the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You see, trouble and affliction strengthens your faith. Oh, you know, James said that, that it, it makes us stronger in faith. In James chapter 1, it, you know, uh, Paul said, we glory in, in tribulation. Uh, James said it this, man. You know, I said, speak for yourself, James, because this is a tough verse. He said, brethren, count it all joy when you have trouble and affliction. Speak for yourself. No, but he's saying, listen, God's got a purpose. He's not just, you're not going through this for nothing. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience and let patience have its perfect work that you may be mature you know trials and trouble and affliction makes us mature that your faith let patience have its perfect work that you may be mature and complete 
lacking nothing. Hey, I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not looking for trials. You don't have to. They come looking for you. You understand? And you've got to understand why. I've talked to you about the reality, but the reason for it. But I'm telling you, all the reasons are not bad. Man, it shows us whether our faith is real or not. And when we go through the trial in affliction, God strengthens us. He uses that to strengthen us. And our faith is stronger when we come through on the other side. Now, there's another reason, one other. And then I want to talk about the reward of responding right. You know, there's another reason for uh, trouble and affliction. God uses it. Uses it to conform us to the image of Christ. He uses it to make us more like Jesus. Now, here's our problem. Now, I want you to listen. You and I have a problem with being self-sufficient. Everything's going well. Plenty of money in the bank. Got a good job. Kids are not in trouble. Marriage is stronger. I mean, the sun comes up. The sky's blue. Everything is good. You know, sometimes when everything's good, it can be dangerous. Because there comes up within us a self-sufficiency. Man, I'm doing real good. I can handle this. There comes in us an independence. But you know, what about when the sky gets cloudy and dark? You see, uh, sometimes God says, listen, I see the danger of your self-sufficiency. You're trusting in yourself. I see the danger in you being independent and thinking by your own power or might. Listen, he said, You've got to understand one thing. It's not you. It's Christ in you. And I'm telling you what God does. He allows, one of the reasons is, let me give you this verse. Now you just listen to it. It says, all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he, be, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God is not so much concerned about your comfort as he is your Christ-likeness. He's not so much concerned about everything being well as to the life of Jesus Christ being produced in you and through you and where you're not depending on yourself, you're depending on Christ who lives in you. So what happens, not everything that comes into your life is good. But God has promised that if you love him, everything that comes into your life, he will work it for good. All things work together for good to those who love God. And he says, he is conforming you to the image of his son. Now, we talked about the reality of trouble and affliction. We've talked about the reasons for it. And really, you need to get the tape and go back and just look at each one of them and meditate on them because every one of them is important. There's about six or seven of them. But now, this, this is it. I just want to rejoice uh, and how we can respond. How can we respond to trouble and affliction? You know how we respond? By believing God's promises and standing on them. That's exactly what you do. Let me tell you what you can't do in trouble and in affliction. You can't trust in your emotions. You can't do it. You can't just look at your circumstances. And you can't just always depend on the counsel and encouragement of people. All of that is good. But I'm telling you, you better know God's promises and you better stand on them and believe them and confess them and act on them during trouble 
and affliction or you won't get out of it. I mean, you, you, you just got to do that. And, and for example, I love the scripture I read to you earlier, Psalm 34. Now, that's a promise, y'all. So when you are in the trouble you're in right now, or more trouble comes your way, then you just go over there and say, all right, Lord, 3417, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, promise, Lord, and delivers them out of all their trouble. Praise God, you promised that you're going to deliver me out of it. And then he goes on and says, the Lord is near those who have a broken heart. God, you know, I'm not trusting in myself. I, I mean, I'm a, I, if I've done whatever I need, I, I want you to give it, Lord. He blesses such as have a contrite spirit. But now listen, another promise. I believe this. I'm, I'm holding God to his word. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It didn't say many are the afflictions of the ungodly. <laughs> many are the afflictions of the righteous. This idea that if you obey God and if you love Jesus, that everything's going to be come up roses, you know, and have a new house, a new car, and a Rolex watch. That ain't in the Bible, y'all. Listen. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. If you believe that, say amen. <laughs> you know it's true. But look at the rest of the verse. But the Lord delivers him out of some of them. That is not what it says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Sometimes you come out with a few scars if you're reaping what you sowed. Sometimes you come out battle-tested. But I'm telling you, the genuineness of your faith, the strength of your faith, I am telling you, the Lord delivers them out of them all. What a promise. There's another one. I read it in Psalm uh, 91, just a few moments ago, verses 14 and 15. Man, I, I love this because it says we know his name. We know who he is. And listen what it says. We love him. See, we love God. We love Jesus. Because he has set his love upon me. And you say, I do love you, Lord. And I, I'm going through this. But you know, it has nothing to do. I'm loving you. He says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore, I will deliver him. That's a promise. He can't lie. He won't lie. Because he has set his uh, love upon me, I will deliver him. I'm going to set him on high. I'm going to lift him above it. I will set him on high because he knows my name. He will call upon me. That's the key. And I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble. And I will deliver him. And I'll honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him. Man, listen, don't focus on the trouble and affliction. Believe the promises of God and absolutely act on them and confess them. Let the promises of God, the word of God, operate in your life. You see, how do you respond to trouble and affliction? By believing the promises of God. Now, I love this one. I tell you what, this is, uh, this is exactly where we, we've been and we may be going through now. And you want to hear a good promise that you can stand on? in trouble and affliction. Isaiah 43, and it begins in verse 1. Now listen to this. You know it, but I believe it, and we just need to confess it when we're right in the middle of it. It says, But now thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 43, 1. Isaiah 43, 1. But now says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, 
who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. All right, as a believer, listen to this. Fear not, I have redeemed you. Praise God, Jesus is our redeemer. I've called you by your name. You're mine. Okay, that's a confession of a child of God. God says, I have redeemed you, and I have called you by your name. Now listen to this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. He did not say he would keep you from the waters. He said he would be with you when you passed through the waters. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, didn't say you wouldn't go through the fire, but when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Hey, listen. He said, you're going to go through the water, but I'm going to go with you. When you're in the river, it's not going to overflow you. And when you go through the fire, you're going to go through it. See, this is the promise of God. He said, I redeemed you. I know you by name. And so, friend, I'm, the way to respond to trouble and affliction is to, uh, to stand on and believe and confess the promises of God. Two other things. Believe, confess, act on the promises of God, rejoice in him. But secondly, you got the promise of God to deliver us, but listen to me carefully. The promise of Jesus to give us rest and to give us strength. Now, what a great promise. There's just the promise of Jesus. It may be trouble and affliction with your mortal body. You are battling illness. It may be trouble and affliction in your marriage with your kids. It may be trouble and affliction with finances. It may be a trouble and affliction with temptation that seems to overwhelm you. I can't, but just listen to what he said. He said, okay, I'm going to promise you that in that, if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest. Now, now, now we know this. But do you understand this is a personal invitation to you and your trouble? This is a personal invitation to you and your, tribu- in your, in, in your uh, affliction. It's from Jesus. Now I want you to listen to what he said. Come unto me. Now you notice he said, come unto me. The living Christ. Come unto me. All you that labor. Man, you are working at it. And you're heavy laden. You are weighted down with your trouble and your affliction. Would you come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden? And I will give you rest. That's a promise. Take my yoke upon you. Get under the yoke with me. Just get under my authority. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, you've got to learn from me in this trouble and affliction. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me For I am gentle, I'm not going to beat you upside the head. Now, that's amazing. He said, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you're going to find rest for your soul. He promised not only to give us rest, he promised that as we come to him and learn from him, that we will find rest. I mean, mean, listen now. There's the promise of God to deliver us in trouble and affliction, but there's the promise of Jesus, of his presence, that he'll give us rest and we'll find rest when we come to him. You know, there's one other promise of Jesus and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. You don't need to turn. You can look at it later. 
Paul had a great affliction, a thorn in the flesh. It's a great affliction. He said it was a messenger of Satan. It was trouble and it was affliction. Three times he said, God, would you take this away from me? And God's answer was no. Second time, Paul. It's still no. Third time, Paul. What part of no don't you understand? But then he said, but let me tell you, I'm not going to remove it. But I'm going to tell you what you're going to find. This is the promise of God. He said, my grace will be sufficient for you. He said, in fact, my strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness. He said, because, Paul, when you're weak, that's when you're really strong. Now, I want you to listen. Your trouble and affliction, if for some reason God does not deliver you immediately or for a while, you've got to understand one thing. You've got a promise here. Come to Jesus. He'll give you rest in it. But he also said to you, now listen, my grace, doing for you what you don't deserve and can't do for yourself, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness. Because, Paul, I'm telling you, when you're weak, not trusting yourself, that's when you're really strong. And Paul said, well, then I'm just going to glory in my tribulations. I'll just glory in it. Then since you're not going to remove it, Lord, I'll glory in it because when I'm weak, I find out I have your strength. I'm telling you, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But we got the promises of God to deliver us, the promise of Jesus to give us rest, the promise of Jesus that his grace is sufficient and that he'll either remove it or strengthen us and we'll become strong in it. But then there's just this one last word. These things have I spoken to you, John 15, 11. Listen to Jesus. The reward or response to troubles, believing God's promises, come into Jesus and believe in his promise of rest and his grace sufficient. But John 15, 11, he said, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You say, now, Lord, I don't like the trouble and I don't like the affliction, but you're going to deliver me. Now I'm coming to you for rest. But, Lord, I know one thing. Your grace is going to be sufficient for me. It is. I'm not turning back. And I know something. Your joy, your joy that inner strength. Joy, it, it's not happiness. Happiness depends on what happens. Joy is inner strength that comes from the presence of Jesus. The joy of the Lord is my strength. What do you mean? He says, just that's what I mean. Jesus said, I've spoken these things unto you that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. And I am telling you, the joy of the Lord is the inner strength and the inner confidence that comes from the presence of Jesus in your life. The waves may be 10 foot high and the ocean may be in turmoil, but underneath the surface is the presence of Jesus and it is the joy of the Lord and it is the joy of the Lord that is your strength it's not something you can explain it's something you experience I've watched people walk through the valley of the shadow of death I've watched people walk through the hurt of a child addicted and in jail 
I've walked with people through every circumstance you can imagine, lost jobs, but I'll tell you, I have watched them, and they would have an inner strength that was unexplainable except for the fact that Jesus Christ lived in them and that the joy of the Lord, his presence is their strength and that his grace is sufficient and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. One of the greatest of all the promises of God is until we get to heaven, until we get to heaven, it's the promises of God for us in times of trial, in times of trouble, and in times of affliction. I got to thinking about this song, and I looked it up in the songbook I've got, the concordance, and I couldn't find the title. All I know is the chorus. And uh, some of y'all will know wh- what song this is. Uh, Brother Ed probably will. But th- I found myself singing this this morning. So I sounded pretty good, by the way, when I sing it. <laughs> All right, now listen to the words. Come unto me, I'll give you rest. Where could I go? Where could I go? Needing a refuge for my soul. Needing a friend to help me in the end. Where could I go but to the Lord? How many of y'all heard that before? I think we ought to sing that. I tell you what, I've got trouble right now, y'all, and I've got affliction. You don't look like it. Trust me, I got it. (laughs) But this this is my song. This is what we're going to do. I think I'll get it right. Are you ready? Where could I go? Oh, where could I go? Needing a refuge for my soul. Needing a friend to help me in the end. Where could I go but to the Lord? Amen? That's where you go. You go to the Lord. His name is Jesus.